Hi, I'm Andy Jewell. Welcome to uh, our new podcast, Agent Insider. And uh, in this podcast, we're going to talk a lot about insurance, all things insurance. Over the next few months, we're going to talk to a lot of different industries, real estate, mortgage, home builders, construction, restaurants. And we want to talk about um, those industries, what's going on in those industries. But we also want to talk about insurance with those industries and how is insurance impacting those industries. We'll also be talking with uh, people who work in the insurance industry, uh, with customer service people, with other insurance agents. So I think it's going to be a fun ride that we're going to learn a lot about insurance and a lot about other industries. I have a guest with me today as Becky. Welcome, Becky. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Um, I was just going to say one of the reasons I started this podcast is a lot of people, I've been an agent for 19 years, been an insurance agent for 19 years. It'll sound better when I say 20, but right now it's 19. Um, and over those 19 years, I've worked with a lot of business owners and successful people. And it's amazing to me how many of those people don't really understand insurance. I would assume if you've been in a, a business owner or if you've been a successful uh person in life, right? Like they built up, um, you know, a lot of success over their lifetime that they would know what's going on with insurance and how it impacts them. But I'm amazed at how many people are just frustrated by it. They view it as like a necessary evil. Um, they, they'll tell me all the time, like, I, I don't like insurance. You might be a nice guy, Andy, but I don't like insurance. And I get that because I feel that way about the dentist. Uh, there's some great dentists that I know and I'll tell them like, you're a great guy. I really like you, but I had bad experiences at the dentist when I was a child and I don't like the dentist. I get like PTSD every time I'm in the waiting room. It's obviously necessary. I got to go get my cleanings and my fillings and all that sort of stuff, but I don't enjoy the dentist. And that's how people feel about insurance. I feel like a lot of people think it's like getting a root canal when you're dealing with insurance companies. So that's part of why I want to start this. I just want to dispel a lot of, uh, of those false ideas and then explain really what insurance is and how it can help you. Yeah. And, you know, I understand where how people feel about that because insurance is such a convoluted industry at times. Um, you know, things are not made clear uh, to me. I have a lot of questions about um, very basic insurance ideas. Um, mostly my, my biggest question is, how did insurance start? Like what, how did this idea form? And um, really like, where did it come from? Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Insurance in general is just a transference of risk, right? So it's taking the risk from you and putting it on the insurance company. So that's that basic idea of transference of risk dates back to 1700 BC. So it's, there's a lot of like, if you look up like the history of insurance, there's a lot of debate and everybody has their opinion about when insurance started. But there's, and there's obviously not a lot of information about the insurance policies of, you know, the late 1700 BCs, right? There's, it's hard to find those, the, the details of what exactly those policies were covering and doing. Um, so so the, there's, there's a well-established idea of transferring risk, but modern insurance of, of how we do insurance now, that's really a little bit more modern. That's, that's started more in the 1600s. So uh, there was a guy, Edward London, he had a coffee shop in London, which was the unofficial 
Stock Exchange of London. And so people were coming together there. They were talking business. They were talking, um, you know, ventures and, and capital. And that's where merchants also met. So the shipping mer merchants were meeting in the coffee house as well. Um, I don't know what the tip requirement was for that coffee house. It was probably more than, more than some of the other ones because it sounds like it had a lot of influential business people meeting there. So Edward London's coffee house was kind of really the, the seat point where these merchants were understanding like, hey, we know we're going to lose ships on the sea. Like there's, they're shipping back and forth to the new world. And every year there's a certain percentage of ships that go down and lose their cargo. And if I'm a one merchant and I've invested into this ship and that ship sinks, well, now I'm losing everything. Right. Like I've lost my entire investment and that could bank that was bankrupting people. And so it was like high risk, high reward. But the problem is, is those risks were so outside of what you could control. People felt like they were really just playing business, felt like it was playing the tables, right? Rolling the dice. Right. Because if you were one of those guys, that was it. You were you were out everything. You were you were bankrupt. Yeah, you had nothing left. Right. You, you would stake everything on that shipment. And if and so it was really a matter of only the rich would like the super uber rich people were being able to be successful because they were sending, you know, 10 ships out and they would know they'd lose one. But because they had 10, it was not a big deal. Um, and so a bunch of the merchants got together and they're like, hey, what if people would invest with us? and say, we'll share the profits of the shipments and then we'll make whole somebody who, gets, who loses a ship. So they were transferring their risk from just themselves to a pool of merchants. Um, so really what would happen is in, in very basic terms, you'd have three ships and you say, we're going to lose one of those three ships. So all three merchants are go together and they're like, well, here's the value of our, of our shipments. And then if one ship goes down, the other two are going to give one third of their value to the guy whose ship sank. So now everyone has two thirds of the value of their cargo, um, which seems unfair to the guy whose ship didn't sink. And I think that's kind of where people get stuck often in insurance. They're like, I didn't have a claim. Why are my rates affected? Um, and that's kind of how that guy felt with the ship is like, hey, my ship didn't sink, but I'm losing one third of the value of my shipment to this guy whose ship sank. And it feels frustrating, but they did it because they understood we didn't know which ship was going to sink, right? We didn't know who was going to lose cargo. Um, and so really what they were doing is transferring their risk to all of them as a whole, understanding that. I can lose, I can afford to lose a third of my value. I can't afford to lose all of it. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. And, and in that way, um, nobody was bankrupted that way. Right, right. And then they, and then what they did is they started to get um, venture capitalists, right? So because the stock exchange was meeting in this coffee house too, and sooner or later someone was like, hey, I want a piece of that action. <laughs> of course. Right? And so then they were like, hey, we'll invest into the shipping and the value of the shipment. So now you're going to spread your risk more because I don't even have a shipment that's going out, but I'll put in, you know, $100,000 and 
And then if all of those ships come back, I get $110,000. But if we lose a ship, I'm going to get 95000 So that was kind of the idea to begin with, with where you started to get investors in there to create money that was not just coming out of the merchant's pockets. And so that's how you started getting investors into the insurance industry that really built it up. So that morphed into modern day insurance that we know now. Right. So which is interesting, right? Because Edward London, whose coffee house it was, is where Lloyd's of London came from. And Lloyd's of London is one of the, it's still around. It's one of the largest insurance companies in the world. They do insurance all over the world and they do all different types of insurance. Um, we were, I happened to go to London a few years ago and uh, got to go by the Lloyd's of London head office. It's massive. It's like, I don't know, it's probably 30 stories tall and it's a whole block. So it's not in a coffee shop anymore. It's not in a coffee shop anymore. Um, so yeah, it's grown a little bit over the years since the 1600s. Um, but that, but they're still around. And so that really was the seed was growing out of that coffee shop and then putting everyone in a pool together. The next thing that happened that was really interesting. So that was in the, it was like 1660 that that, those conversations started and they first started doing that. 1666 was the great fire of London. And so, um, it was like 13,000 homes were lost in that fire. A hundred thousand people became homeless that survived the fire, but now had no homes. And so that really catapulted to the idea that this is not the idea of risk transfer wasn't unique to just shipping, but the idea that to understand if my house burns down, I've worked my whole life to build this house and um, now I have nothing. Right. And I, I could, I could afford, uh, in, in modern terms, right? I could afford $1,000 or $2,000, but I couldn't afford $400,000 to rebuild my house. And that's really what happened at the Great Fire. So you had 100,000 people displaced. And so the next year um, is when home fire insurance became a big deal. Um, in, in the United States, it was the same thing in Boston. Uh, people didn't really think about it until they had a huge fire in Boston. And then people were like, oh, geez, we really need to have insurance for this, right? Because I've just lost everything I've built. Um, so I think that's, that's the part that a lot of people don't necessarily understand or don't, um, don't think about when they're talking about insurance. They're like, I just hate it because I hate paying the premiums and I feel like I'm never using it. And that can be true. And you don't know when you're going to use it. I tell people often, I'm like, everyone, they say statistically, everyone's going to have three major insurance events in their lifetime. But you don't really know when those insurance events are going to happen and, and, or what they would be. It could be a major car accident where you, you're getting sued or you were injured. Uh, it could be a house fire. Uh, it could be uh, a medical issue where your health insurance comes into play. We don't know where those, those big events are going to happen, but we know they will happen. Statistically speaking, they will happen. And insurance allows you to transfer that risk from yourself 
to the company. And the company is really just made up of other policyholders, right? So the times when, um, when I'm paying my premiums and I don't have any kind of claim, um, a, a majority of that premium is going to pay for other people's claims and then vice versa. When, when I have a claim, their premiums are helping pay for my, uh, my claims. Right, exactly. We're, we're all in a pool, right? So we're all swimming together in this pool and uh, your claims are affecting me because I'm paying for your claims. My claims are affecting you because you're paying for my claims. And so uh, as we all swim in this pool together, uh, when one person pees in the pool, I know she didn't like that one, but it's true, right? That's what insurance is. We're in a pool. And if somebody pees in the pool, we're all swimming in that pee together. Um, and so ultimately, you know, if you're in a public pool, you go to the YMCA and you go swimming at the YMCA. Why does it smell so strongly of chlorine there? You know why it smells, right? Oh, because they're keeping it clean. Right, right. They're keeping it clean because they know that all of those little kids swimming in that pool, they're not all getting out to go to the bathroom. And so you just know that that's part of swimming in public pools. It's the same thing in insurance. You, you, don't, you don't know necessarily who did it, right? We don't have that tracking die that says, hey, look, stay away from that guy. He's let's swim too close to him. Um, but we know that the claims are going to happen. And so, and, and part of that makes sense too, when you think about it is like, it's not a savings account. Some people think about insurance, like it's a savings account. Like I paid all this money in, now I want something back out. It doesn't work that way, right? Because uh, for home insurance, for example, um, you might pay $1,000, $2,000 a year for your home insurance. Um, your, your coverage is maybe four or $500,000. If you think about it as a savings account, you would have to pay that insurance for a very long time in order to have saved enough money that if your house burns down, the insurance company would pay for it. And some people might never get to that number. Right. Like uh, there's people, we've had customers that have had that happen where they've purchased a house and within a year they've had a major fire. And they're never going to pay that $500,000 or $800,000 back in premiums. But because we're spreading that risk out with everybody, we have the money to pay for that house to be rebuilt from day one. And I think that's really what's important about insurance is to understand you're transferring risk, which means you're, you're saying, I, I, I'm not 100% sure I could get in a car accident and get sued uh, because it happens, right? You, you go on a road trip and you see how many billboards or lawyers call us personal injury. Um, you open the yellow pages. Well, people don't use the yellow pages anymore. When, when I was in driver's ed, they would make you open the yellow pages and go through how many lawyers are advertising in there. This is the bulk of it. Um, so you could be sued. And so what you're saying is, I don't know if I'm going to be sued, so I'm going to buy insurance and I can pay that hundred bucks a month for my, my one car. So that way, if something happens, I'm not the one that has to get my wages garnished. I'm not the one that has to go bankrupt because I don't have $200,000 sitting in the bank to pay for this claim. That makes sense? It does. That very, it clarifies it a lot for me. Yeah. So I don't know, should we go into how you come up with those coverage amounts? 
Yeah. You mean lay it out like, um, you know, why you're paying this X amount for for this coverage? Yeah. I mean, I guess a little bit. That's a little, probably a little deeper dive in the actuarial tables of how you come up with it. But um, I would just like in general, why do you carry liability insurance and how much liability insurance should you have? Because I think that is something that a lot of people think it's a one size fits all with insurance because they go, oh, I want to transfer all of my risk. Well, you can't transfer all of your risk because it would be unaffordable to do so. But you do need to kind of say, how much risk should I transfer for me? And a lot of a lot of the direct companies, I won't name any names, but a lot of direct companies uh, that you're going to go online and buy it from them will have like certain packages. And there's like, buy this package or buy that package. And it's very um, just like, hey, here's general ideas of insurance. But you're buying insurance for you specifically, right? Like it's an individual purchase for you. And so I think you should really think about insurance on an individual level and the coverage should be based on you individually. Yeah, a big one um, that I've heard before that I don't quite understand is full coverage. I want full coverage. What, what is that exactly? It doesn't exist. That's the easiest answer to say. The idea of full coverage would be that you're going to be covered for anything and everything that could happen, right? And, and, and so that's just what people think. That's what they assume. I got full coverage, so it's fine. I don't have to worry. Um, really what full coverage, when people say that, what most agents will give them is liability, um, uninsured motorist, comprehensive and collision on their auto insurance. Uh, comprehensive inclusion covers damage to the vehicle. Comprehensive is fire, theft, vandalism, animals, anything other than collision, basically. Um, flood insurance is covered on comprehensive on a car, car policy. Uh, collision covers if you hit something and it's your fault. Um, or sometimes it may not feel like it's your fault because you're like, I, I slid on ice and I hit a, uh, a guardrail or I hit a tree. That's not my fault. It's the ice's fault. It's like, well, yeah, but you were you driving. Nobody else hit you. Um, it wasn't an animal. So it goes under collision. Uh, liability, I think, is the most important part of your insurance, which most people just kind of gloss over. Because liability is really, when we talk about that transferring risk, liability is tran transferring the biggest part of your risk to the insurance company because it's protecting you from being sued. The liability part is what pays the other person's injury or the other person's property damage uh, in the event that you were at fault in an accident. So a lot of people just, they, they, they copy coverages and we see this all the time in the industry. Agents will just say, well, what do you have now? And then they quote you the same thing that you've had before, which maybe it's fine, but also maybe that's the same coverage that you've had since I was going to say since 1980s, but really the 1990s, right? Or, or even the early 2000s, which was 20 years ago. Um, so the, the, the cost of claims has increased, but a lot of people are treating the same level of, of coverage that they had 10, 20, or 30 years ago, which doesn't make sense. Um, some people, though, it's totally fine for. So I always tell people, like, when you think about insurance, you really want to think about what are you going to be sued for? You think about your liability insurance on cars. What can I get sued for? And then I want to cover myself for what I'm going to be sued. And the easiest way to think about that is what are your assets? Because that's what a lawyer is going to look at. They're going to say, what's the 
if what's the insurance company going to offer me? And then what is Becky worth? And the easiest things for them to come take from you is going to be equity and properties, investments, and two and a half times your income. Those are the way that that's how they look at that. So your income can be garnished as well. Yeah, they can garnish your wages, 25% of your wages until you, until you retire, technically even post-retirement because certain types of uh, retirement income is considered income. And so they can even garnish that. That's not what they're excited to do because it takes a long time to get all that money. But if somebody's seriously injured, they may. If, if I couldn't work ever again, right, or one of our listeners couldn't work ever again, would they be okay why somebody is making, you know, 100000 plus a year? Would they be okay with, like, I can't make any money, and here I am on disability and trying to scrape by why the guy who did this to me is out making 100000 200000 a year? So this is where liability comes into play. So then when you are, are looking at those numbers, you look at, at what a person essentially is worth, and then you want to cover them liability-wise for that amount. Exactly. I always tell customers, you should be covered for equal or slightly more than what your assets are. You want the focus to stay on the insurance company, right? You paid your premiums to transfer the risk of a lawsuit from you to the insurance company. But if you don't have adequate insurance, you may not have actually transferred that risk. And then you get sued. And now you're really upset because I paid my premiums, but I only bought basic liability insurance and I'm actually worth a bunch of money. But I think insurance is a ripoff, so I want to pay as little as possible. And then it's a real ripoff at the time of a claim because you go, dang, the insurance didn't work the way I thought it would. Right. And that, that's a part of insurance that's so difficult is because you don't have a tangible product that you're holding. Um, really, it's the rubber meets the road at the time of the claim uh, when you find out, okay, is this promise that I've been given, is it, is it worth its weight in salt? Yeah. Yeah. It's the devils are in the details of the insurance policies. So it does really, you really have to find somebody that you trust to help you navigate that, the policies and then make sure your coverages are adequate for what your liabilities are, for what your assets are, what your exposure is. Because it's going to be very frustrating that if you've paid your premiums to transfer your risk, but at the end of the day, it didn't actually transfer the way you thought it would. So anyway, so I mean, we could keep going. We can definitely, sometimes I, I feel like a insurance geek or nerd because I'm like, you get excited a, about it. Right. Like I, I called somebody up, one of my friends in insurance, and I was like, hey, I just was reading this and I was, thought this was really cool and exciting. And they're, and they're like, man, you have a problem that this is what you get excited about. But it is exciting because it, I've seen how insurance and the transfer of risk has saved people's financially, saved their, their everything they've built. And um, so I think it's super important. And that's why I'm excited to share this information with people, because I think it's something that if you understand insurance properly, you won't overpay for what you don't need, but you will buy the things you need. And um, I think that's really what it's about. Let's, let's dig in more, dig in deeper over the next few months to say, what is it that is important? What is it that's going to change your life? And how can we manage this in a way 
that you're getting the best value for what you're going to spend in insurance. Yeah, absolutely. Knowledge is power. So let's share more knowledge. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in and joining us, guys. How to blast. Hopefully this helps uh, explain some of the insurance origins, the origin story of insurance. And I look forward to getting to know you guys better over the next few months as we unravel more of the insurance mystery. If you guys have questions, feel free to email me. Uh, my email address is agentjewel at gmail.com. So that's A-G-E-N-T-J-E-W-E-L-L at gmail.com. So it's jewel with two L's. Look forward to our next visit and I hope you guys have a great day. Bye. Bye.